Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Steelers Nation? High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience, and we've both gotten haircuts recently. I'll leave you to figure out the rest. You already know the drill. You want to chime in, questions, comments, concerns, reactions over the next two hours, you know where to find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. And Motsi, you know, normally I ask you how you're doing. We laugh for a second or two, but we got a jam-packed show we today. Do. So we got to jump right into it here. In about 15, 20 minutes, our, of course, good friend of the show, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, will join us. Our conversation du jour today, right, our continuing theme of the second week here of Settling some classic Steelers debates once and for all. Who is the singular best defensive unit mm, in the Pittsburgh mm, Steelers mm. franchise history? Who's number two, three, four, five? I don't know how deep Motsi went, but I got ten Jeez. on my list. I mean, we could go five or six if you want to. <laughs> but we will debate greatest defensive units in Pittsburgh Steelers history. But Arthur Motes, today first we start here. Just some housekeeping, some NFL news yes. items, if you will. Um Maybe the biggest one this morning, this coming down from Adam Schefter and our buddy Brian Backo, who we talked to, reported this as well, too. NFL Hall of Fame game is being put on hold as well as the Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, induction ceremony, I should say. So this August, no Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys, no um, induction of the Steelers who were up, Donnie Schell, Troy Polamalu, Bill Cower. Motes, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised by this, obviously, but... It is a bummer because, man, that was going to be a weekend where Steelers Nation was going to just take over Canton, Ohio. You were going to, I'm sure, have a lot of Cowboys fans there. That whole dynamic of the Steelers and the Cowboys, the two biggest fan bases in the sport. Again, I'm not surprised. And it's it's the smart decision. It's the responsible oh, decision. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> but it, it it is a little bit of a bummer, certainly. Yeah, man, you always, you know, when you talk about the Hall of Fame itself, what it stands for, what it means. You've seen those guys become immortalized in this uh, in this sport, in their profession. And you never want anything to go wrong that weekend. You don't want anything to take away from their accomplishments of what they were able to do, all the hard work and sacrifice for that moment. And, I mean, it's definitely unfortunate. But, like I said, with the way things are right now with this COVID-19 situation and the uncertainty with it, I mean, one minute everything's good, looking like <laughs> the country's about to open back up. Next thing you know, oh, no, no, it's a spike again. We're back on the rise. Might get locked back down. So just in that whole regard, man, it's frustrating. But, I mean, I, I'm asking myself, is this one of those plans? You know, the, the Hall of Fame, they said they got like five different contingency right. plans. Like, which plan was this? Is this number five? Four or five. I, I don't feel like you went through all five that quick, did you? But maybe you did. <laughs> but but neither here nor there, man. You know, the, the, the guys are going to get in. I, the person I feel most bad for is Donnie. Yeah, I know. I'm like, you've you done waited wait, this long. You finally get in. You got to wait again. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. But like you said, it's the smart decision. It stinks. And, I mean, even from just from the football standpoint, too, right, Of you and I have talked about this. 
if there was ever a year that the Steelers actually wanted an extra preseason game, this, this would have been the year. Absolutely, you, you lose that advantage as well, too. It's not official, but it sounds like everything will just get delayed a year so that the Steelers and Cowboys will still play next year in the Hall of Fame game, summer of 2021. Because I mean, you still got to have a ceremony. Right. Let's be real about it. And then they'll just combine the ceremonies, I guess, from what would have been this year and the class that will go in next year. Or maybe you don't even have a class next year. Ooh. I mean, I'll be a little upset if you make my class Ooh. a joint class. But what, nah. if you're, what if you're one of the guys who's up next year care. in 2020? Everything you know, gets pushed back. Isn't, isn't, I think 2021, isn't that the Peyton Manning year? Everything gets pushed back, man. They're going to have big Peyton Manning. Everything gets pushed back, man. Pushing back my Hall of Fame. Yeah. Everything gets pushed back, man. You can't. Chicken j- parm, yeah. you taste so good. Imagine you, you. This is your chance to finally be immortalized. Can't this is your moment. Me wait a year. I guarantee if Peyton had to, if Peyton was in this class right now, you think he would want to tell them, "Oh yeah, I'll let you have that other class with me." Not at and, all. And you know what is hard about that is that this class is like a a, a class on steroids. Absolutely, There's twenty people going in, Absolutely. not your normal four or five. No. <laughs> so come on, man, get out of here with that. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how the NFL decides to handle that because again, all those contingency plans. Alleged contingency plan. Allegedly. <laughs> You're, no matter what, it's never going to be deemed as quote-unquote fair to everybody. Correct. There's going to be somebody who perceives as getting slight, who's perceived as getting slighted. But, hey, that's the world we're living in right now, is, right? Man. Unfortunately. Uh, two more little housekeeping things here, Arthur Motes, uh, that came out yesterday. The report by Ian Rappaport, hey now, that... <laughs> NFL teams, as it stands right now, and again, this is we're still a little over two months away from the start of the regular season. A lot of things can change next week, next mm-hmm. month, whatever. But the plan now is that NFL teams will allow local authorities to determine how many fans are allowed in their stands at the games. So it won't be just a blanket, hey, you're allowed 20,000 fans. Hey, you're allowed 40,000 fans. Hey, you're allowed 5,000 fans or full capacity or whatever it may be. A place like Kansas City or Green Bay or Pittsburgh that hasn't been as hit as hard by this COVID stuff, maybe those teams will be allowed 30,000, 40,000 people. But maybe in a place like New York or Philadelphia or Seattle where they've had a higher volume of cases, maybe those teams will only be allowed to have something like 5,000 fans. The NFL is going to allow teams, again, their local authorities, to determine capacity sizes and not have kind of a standard uniform capacity across the board. Arthur Motes, from a competitive balance standpoint, you have any problem with this? I personally don't, man. I think when you get to this level, you, you I mean, you just show up. It doesn't matter how many guys are there or not. You're going to play to your best of your ability. And for me, man, I always laugh because I think back to my FCS days, and I'm like, man, this is what we were prepared for because it was times where I played at JMU <laughs> in front of 30,000, and it was times where I played on the road in Northeast, and there might be 300 people there. Like, no exaggeration. And you can see somebody's house, and they're waving from their backyard. You're like, oh, hey, you're watching the game for free. I like it. Like, that's just how it was. But you can never let that uh, affect your preparation, you can never let that affect your overall readiness for the game. You can never let that affect your effort. So I think, man, in this regard, the guys that really love the game, the guys that really are passionate about their craft, that don't need any extra motivation, they're going to thrive in these moments. And the guys that need that extra pat on the back, that extra hand clap, and that extra loud cheer, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. But I don't think it's a competitive advantage. I think it's just a part of the mental fortitude that you're going to have to display in this situation. And when we talk about everything that's been going on this offseason, this is just another thing yeah. they're going to have to endure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you it's add, a small potatoes. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, no OTAs. Lack of programs. Right, yeah. no OTAs. 
mini camps looking like they're not happening. Training camp look like that's going to be unique. And then that's depending on if they even allow you to come in an extra two weeks early. So it's just a lot of things. Preseason obviously is already being altered now with the Hall of Fame game being X'd mm-hmm. out. So it's a lot of variables that are going into this season anyways. So for me, man, yeah, them not having fans in the stands or having a condensed amount of fans depending on location, it still is not going to matter. And I don't think it should be surprising, right, that as many seats as possible, as many butts as possible to get into seats, that's what they're going to go with. There's been a ton of lost revenue already, right, and will continue to be. If there's a place that's allowed to sell 40,000, 50,000 tickets, they're not going to tell them, oh, well, hold on, you can only sell 10% of that. That's a nice chunk of revenue for those teams, for the league. Again, obviously in an uncertain time. And speaking about revenue, Motsi, another announcement yesterday, uh, this one coming from the Sports Business Journal, that the NFL, all stadiums, right? So regardless, it doesn't matter if you're in New York or Seattle or if you're in Pittsburgh or Kansas City or if you're in a, a COVID hotbed or if you're in an area that hasn't been that affected, First six to eight rows will be tarped off. Those seats will be tarped off for two reasons. One, to provide more distance between the sideline and the the fans, Mm -hmm. you know, for for distancing measures. And two, let's be honest here, because they can sell logos and sponsorships on those tarps (laughs) for a lot of money. Uh, Motes, this doesn't surprise me because, again, there's been massive losses in revenue for every sport. I'm sure the NFL is anticipating that as well, too, depending on, you know, the amount of fans allowed at games and all those things. It's an obvious way if you're going to have these rows tarped off, they'll be viewable on TV. You put a sponsorship logo here, you know, Heinz logo goes there, mm-hmm. PNC logo goes there, UPMC logo goes there, and I'm sure those companies pay a pretty penny to get their logos put on that spot. But I also wonder, Motes, if there are fans allowed at the games, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some people, the the seat license holders, who pay a lot of money for their seats and a lot of money for those tickets that are going to have to move back a little bit. And I don't know. They, they might be a little upset. We'll see. <laughs> hey, man, I think them people are just going to have to be happy that they're even allowed in the stadium right cool. now, man. Because, I mean, this is what we're talking about as of today, June 25th. But we've seen how rapidly things have been changing in terms of, okay, one minute everything's in the clear, everything looks on the up and up, and things are proceeding as normal. And then a week later, two weeks later, things are drastically shifted. Things yeah. are drastically changing. New policies, new rules are being implemented in terms of the, the the COVID testing and all these other things. So I think in that regard, man, it's going to be a very, very fluid situation, even when it comes to the season being here. Because – Outside of them coming with a vaccine or some type of new medical breakthrough with this situation, they're still going to have incidents. They're still going to have people that test positive, and that's going to ultimately right. alter things, especially when you look at how the public views it. And I understand the the new narrative is, well, athletes are low risk. Athletes <laughs> are low risk. That's cool, but all it takes is one of those low risks to actually have something happen to him. And now that changed the whole conversation. And just because they're low risk doesn't mean their family Absolutely. members that are low risk everything. as well, too. That changes everything. So for me, I'm like, I hear you. I mean, and people try to go that route to, to seek comfort, to ultimately make themselves find a little bit more hope and positivity in the situation. But just because you're low risk doesn't mean there is no risk. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that the guys are definitely going to have to understand. And I saw, at least with the uh, the MLB, shout out to them, they finally were able to agree on their new deal. But they were putting in their uh, – in the new CBA for them that for the players that are either with a pregnant woman, like living with a pregnant Mm -hmm. person or have at risk people, 
they're allowed to sit out and still be compensated because mm. of that element. Because even though they're low risk, the people they're going to be coming back to, sure. you jeopardize them. So I thought that was a unique thing, and I think that's something that we might see with the NFL, honestly, because you got to think, if the MLB is doing that, they have a lot smaller roster. The the NFL roster is triple that easily. Yeah. So when you talk about how many people are are, are, are involved, how many – I mean, when you talk about how this branches off in terms of the people that they're interacting with, the people they're around, the people that they're living with directly, I mean, it's a lot more into that thing. So that's why I think, man, this is going to be something that we're going to continue to be monitoring and continue to be talking about as the season comes in and progresses through. We'll talk about all this stuff next with our good buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brian Backo. He joins us on the other side. Rolling along here on a Thursday, it's Euler Remotes, Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 12-20 on a Thursday, and that means some things around here. It means we go to the phone lines. Our good friend of the show, Brian Backo, joining us here of the from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What's happening, partner? Good afternoon. What's going on, guys? <laughs> hey, long time no talk to my brother. Was that? Hey, oh. Mister Moat. <laughs> hey, hold on now. Don't don't gloss over the the just the fantastic Mike Tomlin reference there from <laughs> from Brian Backo. The the good afternoon. Would know better than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Moats would know better than me, but he hasn't been to a press conference in a while. You know. Uh oh. Because he always go. says with a good evening. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> uh, Mr. Backo, before we get into it here, Gregory asks on Twitter, is Mr. Moats still upset with Mr. Backo? We need answers. Uh-oh. So, look, man, me and Backo, we, we've had a chance to hash it out, squash our beef. I mean, he invited me on the podcast. His podcast, I felt really honored, and it was just awesome. I said, man, you know what, Backo, the fact that you invited me on your podcast, yeah, all right, all right, all right. I'll give you a second chance. I'll give you a second chance. So, so far, so good, man. He called in on time. He has great energy so far. So, you know what? Yeah, hey, we're, we're good. We're past our beef. <laughs> That's definitely a lot of olive branches being extended, there, <laughs> and, and I will gladly accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Backo, uh, no Hall of Fame game in Canton in early August. I don't think we're surprised by this, but this is the right move, correct? Yeah, and, and Cam Hayward, uh, I don't know if he let the cat out of the bag, if he had any inside info. Uh, last week when he spoke with the media, but but he basically flat out said that uh, it would be uh, a little bit uh, a little bit of lunacy to to try to play that game. So it's it's one of those games that nobody needs four preseason games, let alone five. So I don't think the players uh, really love it. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think the coaches probably enjoy that extra time, but I don't know that the the top of the organization really loves it. It's another chance to uh, risk injuries, maybe not for your most important guys, but but guys who are going to matter. Uh, come September so uh, yeah that that one's gone now and, and I guess the the question remains uh, will the rest of the preseason survive we we know now just in the last few minutes the Hall of Fame announced that uh, it'll all just be one big bonanza in 2021 now oh, ideally, mm, okay Steelers Cowboys and not only will this year's class with Bill Carr and Troy Polamalu get enshrined 
so will the 2021 class oh, uh, right. on a different day that same weekend. And, and I think that's going to oh, so they'll have Kate it two separate. Okay, is going to make it in uh, his yeah. first time on the ballot. I'm not certain, but I have a pretty good idea. It's funny we were just talking about that yeah. Peyton Manning about ten minutes ago. Yeah, because we were saying to ourselves like, you don't want to take away from the other class by joining them together. But apparently, what you're saying is they're going to have two separate days of inductions. Are they going to have two separate games as well? As far as I know, just one game, and I hope uh, it will stay that way. But, uh, yeah, they announced that if you do have tickets to that game, which uh, if you are a diehard listening to Steelers Nation Radio, you might. And uh, if you do have tickets, you can hold them, uh, and you will uh, be able to use them next year. And it will also get you some sort of discount, I think 25% off Hall of Fame merchandise. Or if you can't make it next year or you're concerned about going to football games uh, until we have a vaccine for COVID-19, uh, you can get a full refund from the hall. Okay, I like that. Now, I know you talked about most teams, obviously. I mean, me being a player, I can speak for, for myself in that regard. I mean, we are not fans of the Hall of Fame game. That fifth game <laughs> sucks. But in the offseason like how it was this year, man, without the OTAs, without the mini camps, without the, the workout programs and things like that, you don't think that some of those teams, in particular the Cowboys and the Steelers, are a little bummed that they're not going to get an opportunity to get some extra game reps? Yeah, it could have been extra game reps and also that sneaky little extra practice time, mm. potentially, if they reported to camp uh, about a week earlier than the other 30 teams. So uh, there's some good and some bad with it, no doubt. Um, but it's, uh, it's just going to be one of those things where uh, we, we still don't know where this thing is tracking. I mean, it was over the weekend that the NFLPA suggested to uh, the players that the union would, would recommend no longer uh, doing these small group workouts as COVID cases rise in, in various states. But I, I'm not naive enough to think that the players are going to go back to uh, true quarantine mode. I think these guys have uh, relished the opportunity to return to normalcy a little bit. We just have to hope that, that that's not going to wreak havoc on uh, the, the ability for, for NFL teams to keep their players safe and, and away from uh, positive tests. And uh, hopefully that will have a trickle-down effect on this season getting started on time and uh, missing minimal or, or zero uh, amount of practice time for these teams that need to get back in shape. Now, let's be real, man. They said, you know, they, they recommend not doing the joint workouts. But we <laughs> saw just, what, two days ago who posted a video. Tom Brady. No, no, Tom Brady and then L. Bell and, and, and uh, James yeah. Conner out here working out together, yeah. man. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, you, you don't have to look hard to, to find Steelers <laughs> players to do the workout in small groups. I, I don't know if that's just a way for – the players union to, to maybe cover its butt uh, in terms of saying, Hey, well, we told them uh, mm. to go back to, to, you know, working out on their own, but uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic guys. I mean, it's, it's the same one that a lot of people in the country are dealing with. There was a player from uh, Missouri, uh, a running back, one of their star players who was talking last week to the, to the local media there who said, look, I, I can't tell my teammates where to go, what to do, what not to do. All I can tell them is, hey, man, just be smart. If you go out, wear a mask, because this is going to affect uh, whether our season can start on time, potentially. So same thing goes to me for, for Steelers players. I mean, you're an NFL player. You're a grown man. You can make your own decisions, but uh, it, it's, it's going to be one of those things where you need the, the buy-in from as many people as possible uh, to make this thing work and, and hopefully keep uh, the curve flattened or, or whatever uh, phrases we're using now to deal with coronavirus. Brian Becko of the PG, our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. Kind of sticking with that, Mr. Becko. We're not sure exactly when we will see, you know, the first football games back, if it'll be the preseason regularly scheduled time, if that'll get condensed, what that will look like. 
But it does seem that we will have more what – what are the word I want to use here? More demonstrations from players once that does happen, right? I know you had an opportunity, the media did, to talk to Mike Tomlin Tuesday morning, I believe it was, for the first time uh, since the death of George Floyd and kind of a lot of this stuff that has transpired in the country over the last few weeks, over the last month or so. And according to Mike Tomlin, the Steelers will support, will allow players to kneel uh, during the national anthem. Yeah, and, and I uh, give Mike credit for saying that because I mean, we, we know he's normally one of those coaches who uh, is, is allergic to, to making any sort of <laughs> statement that might get pushed back. And, and he's uh, very laser-focused on, hey, I'm a football coach. Don't ask me about this thing or that thing because I'm not the best person to answer that. Go ask someone uh, who, who can speak with a little more authority. But uh, he was singing a different tune on Tuesday. I think part of that, it, it is the offseason. You have a lot more time to discuss those issues with your team and your players. And uh, we know it's, it's been almost four years now since the, the 2017 uh, national anthem mess that, that this team had to deal with and, and had to try to work through. Um, but there's players that weren't on this team back then who, who might have different thoughts, different feelings that are coming at this thing from a different perspective. I mean, I know Eric Ebron is a guy who uh, he didn't kneel when he played with the Detroit Lions in 2017, but uh, he, he opted not to lock arms with the rest of the team that day during the national anthem because he wanted to make uh, a statement uh, against Donald Trump's comments uh, right before that. So uh, there's just a lot of different personalities and, and kind of similar to the dynamic I just mentioned with you know coronavirus concerns. Cam Hayward isn't going to feel the exact same way about everything that Marquise Pouncey does. Um, Eric Ebron's not going to feel the exact same way about these big-picture issues as maybe Alville in a way, but does. So uh, it's just a, you know another challenge for, for a bunch of guys, 90 guys, to come together as a team and, and figure out the best way to navigate it. And, and I think they uh, probably all have the utmost confidence in, in Mike Tomlin to handle that as best as he can from the top. Now, going back to that uh, situation that happened versus the Chicago Bears, I believe it was the 2016 season, if I remember correctly, um, when we're talking about the blowback that came from the whole national anthem situation and everything like that, do you anticipate similar things? Because we saw the outrage that the players had received through social media and, you know, through the people that were protesting at the facility. So do you anticipate potentially similar things happening if players do start nailing when the season starts up? Yeah, of course. And, and maybe it'll be a, a vocal minority, but like you said, you know, you don't have to, to look hard on Twitter uh, to, to find people who are, are giving these guys grief for, for what they say or, or think or do. Um, I, you know, I'm a reporter at a, a major newspaper in the city. I get calls, emails, tweets, chat questions uh, about people who say, uh, I'm not going to watch this team anymore if, if they kneel during the anthem. And, uh, you know, you can believe that or, or not and, and maybe think those people are bluffing, but uh, there, there's going to be pushback. There always is. You can't make everyone happy. Uh, we know this. Mike Tomlin knows this. And, and that's why I wanted to ask him on Tuesday as part of my question about whether he will definitively support any players who decide to take a knee, uh, which has been the, the symbol of, of really this entire uh, uprising uh, among activism in the NFL. And, and I, I asked him not only that, but also, uh, is there any concern with pushback either from fans or anybody else uh, in the country who might not support that? And, and he didn't necessarily touch the second part of that question, but he was definitive enough in his first answer uh, that he's clearly standing by his guys, and, and he made sure to note that that's also the feelings of the organization as a whole and not just him as the head coach. Well, let's stick with that then, right? Some of that that blowback, that 
the angry reaction that inevitably, no matter what reason, no matter how you explain it, no matter how many times it has been explained over the last four years, no matter how many times you tell people that it was a United States Army Green Beret who told Colin Kaepernick it would be respectful to take a knee, no matter how much you repeat all this stuff, Batco, you and I know, Moats knows, there's always going to be people who are against it. There's always going to be there's going to be that that blowback. Has there been? Yeah, have for you, sure. Have you heard any consideration about? Uh, an alternative I feel like right like when Kobe Bryant passed away and each team in the NBA dribbled out the 24 second shot clock in honor of Kobe Bryant is there anything like that that you've heard that the players might be you know thinking along the lines of something else that they could do that would obviously still garner a ton of attention but would kind of take away that platform for for people to, to scream about the flag and the national anthem well, I know, uh, you know, among current players not too long ago, Zach Banner took to Twitter with a suggestion of, of maybe a uh, Black Lives Matter uh, sticker or, or decal on the jerseys or, or the helmets. And, uh, of course, some of the you know, fans who, who don't like that idea shouted him down on social media. But I, I think it's good that, that players are thinking of, of different ways. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the, the Eric Ebron uh, decision he made back in 2017 playing for the Lions. Uh, the rest of his teammates, and, and some of them who did kneel, I think about a half dozen of them, uh, they locked arms uh, among each other on the sidelines during the anthem. And uh, it was, you know, I guess made clear to them that if they wanted to kneel while also doing that, they could. And their their ownership group was involved. The, all the coaches were involved. So there's a lot of different ideas that, that you could have or, or that could come about. But I just think uh, the, the biggest thing about it is uh, that there's no longer um, – uh, so much divisiveness within the NFL for doing that. I mean, it seems like it, every uh, uh, team and, and coach is pretty much on board with, with giving these guys the platform that they have and uh, the, the right to demonstrate however they see fit. I mean, you've had Bill O'Brien say he'll even kneel with his players uh, if they want him to do that. So uh, there, there's not nearly as much difference of opinion. It seems like the league is fairly united on this front, and, and that's part of the reason why when Mike Tomlin said what he did on Tuesday, uh, I don't think it, it – made as many waves or, or was as buzzworthy as it would have been a few years ago. Now, talking about Bill O'Brien saying that he would kneel with the guys, talking about Mike Tomlin saying that he would support the guys, do you think that the NFL is doing enough as a whole to protect their players if they, I mean, go about going and doing all these uh, kneeling and protesting and stuff during the games? Are they? Do you think they've done enough or is there more they uh, that they could be doing? I think they're in a pretty good place on this. And, and as far as Roger Goodell goes, uh, I think he has improved his uh, reputation on this matter just within the last month or, or so. Uh, you know, the video that he sent out obviously uh, spurred by uh, a video on social media by some of the league's biggest stars and, and some of the, the biggest black stars in the league who were calling on the NFL really to, to be better in, in light of the, the Drew Brees comments. Uh, I just saw again today that, Drew Brees is, is um, you know, his um, charity is uh, donating money to fund another program to help uh, young black uh, football players and, and uh, people trying to make their way in the game. So now he's not the top of the league. He's not part of the, the NFL power structure. But uh, to me, it just goes to show, again, that the tide is turning on this thing. And, and I, I think the NFL is taking pretty good steps, both with what they're saying with someone such as Commissioner Roger Goodell, but also with what they're doing, uh, the type of, of money they're committing financially uh, to causes that their players care about. Got to ask you some X's and O's here, too, from Mike Tomlin's comments on Tuesday. Brian Backo, 
Uh, Coach Tomlin said that Matt Filer will take the first snaps at left guard during camp. Tyson Alualu at nose tackle. But then he said it'll be between Banner and Chooks at right tackle. But come on now, Backo. One of those two has to go out there first, all right? So who's it going to be? Is it going to be Banner or is it going to be Chooks? Who's going to take the first snap whenever that finally happens? I'm leaning toward Chooks right now, Wes. I mean, uh, a lot of credit to, to Zach Banner. It looks like he continues to transform his body and uh, he and, and I think Chooks, too. They've, they've both just been in Pittsburgh, really, for the most part, this whole offseason, uh, working out and, and dedicating themselves to their craft. To me, it speaks to, to two big guys who know that uh, there's a big opportunity uh, ahead of them in, in 2020. But I, I think when I go back to last year, uh, everyone knows that Rams game maybe shed some light on the, the future plans that the Steelers have for their offensive line. And, and not only did they opt for uh, Matt Filer at left guard over B.J. Finney, in that game in replace of Ramon Foster. But they opted for Chooks Okorafor at right tackle rather than Zach Banner. And, and keep in mind, Zach had been playing a lot more all season to that point, but as an extra tight end, as 72 reporting, as eligible. But instead of, of moving him inside to, to – thank you, Mo. Instead of moving him uh, over onto an actual offensive line position to hold down right tackle in that game, they, they went with the guy that they drafted in the third round a few years ago to inherit that spot. So it, it, I wasn't too surprised to hear Mike Tomlin say that, that they were going to start off with a combination of Filer at left guard because as a player, I think he's a little bit more traditional uh, guard type of body and, and he's not as athletic, doesn't have maybe the levers that, that Chooks and Zach Banner do. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, it's, it's an important position and, and one that's going to be even more crucial with a quarterback who, who's returning and, and needs to be kept upright for, for him to get back to form. And now, do you like that approach that Coach Tom has taken, though, going with strictly veterans? Because he talked about how Tyson is going to be the starter, the starter at nose. He talked about how he wanted to go with the guys who've been in the building already versus some of these younger players, some of the newer draft picks, like a Kevin Dotson and things like that. So what are your thoughts on that? That one could have gone either way when you talk about the offensive line because, yes, in terms of experience with the Steelers, Zach Banner and, and Chooks Okorafor, are next in line. But in terms of experience uh, as an NFL starter overall, Stefan Wisniewski uh, blows those two guys out of the water, mm-hmm. obviously. He's, he's started and won two Super Bowls. So uh, it's, it's interesting to me that Mike Tomlin, uh, as far as that decision goes, is, is choosing to ride with uh, experience in this offense and in this system as opposed to just uh, a new guy coming in as a free agent who's much more experienced in the league at large. So uh, it does make sense to me because uh, I think – Maybe this line has a higher ceiling uh, if Chooks Okorafor or Zach Banner can live up to their pedigree. And uh, I do think Matt Filer is, is really solid no matter where you put him. I, I thought he was uh, arguably this team's best lineman last year, and, and that's saying something in his first full season as a starter. So uh, they, they do need to uh, continue to get younger, maybe continue to get more athletic on that line because uh, I think it needs to play a lot better than last year for this offense to reach its potential. I think we can all agree on that. Our good friend of the show, Brian Backo, our day one. He hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Find him on Twitter at Brian Backo. Read his work in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hear him here every Thursday. Partner, we appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the weekend. For sure. And I am on vacation next week, so I don't want this to stir up any <laughs> heat uh, if, if I uh, can't be on with you guys. But uh, I will be back, though, after vacation. And th- big thanks to all the loyal listeners and of course the tweeters 
who make the Batco Thursday special every week here. I like Seth, it. We'll give you a pass next week, all right? Smart man, he stated he got ahead of it. That's you, <laughs> that's true. Control that's the narrative, get ahead of the story. That's what you. Hey, hey. That's that's the new move. Good journo, Brian Batco, baby. That's the way to do it now. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks, hey, guys. enjoy See the va- enjoy the vacation next week. I will. There he goes, Brian Backo, Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I love that guy, man. He's the <sighs> best. And uh, also his podcast, North Shore Drive. Correct? Yes, correct. Uh, you were on that, and it just came out today. Yes. Was that or you guys recorded earlier? Yeah, we recorded earlier, yesterday. Yesterday, okay, yeah. came mm-hmm. out today. So wherever you get your podcast, North Shore Drive, if you want to listen, definitely check them out, man. Listen to a, a half an hour conversation between Moats and Backo about football and and life and a, and a lot of other things going on. Always good stuff when our buddy joins. It's going to take a break here, but Motsy. When we come back, baby, Uh-oh. it's time to get down to it. Who is the greatest defensive unit in the Pittsburgh Steelers? Fra- the Is this safe to say, Arthur Motes? The Pittsburgh Steelers of all American sports franchises are the most synonymous with defense. Mm, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. When you think defense in American sports... You think the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're going to parse through all of that history and, and do our best to to try and split hairs and decide who's just a little bit better than those guys. A couple extra Hall of Famers here. We'll have some fun. So uh, get those tweets in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Embracing debate on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Having some fun on a Thursday. Euler and Motes here inside the Electric Factory. And let's get right to it. If you've been listening to the program, if you're one of our loyal listeners, the power grid, the megawatts. You know what we're doing here, but if maybe you're just picking up on us, if you're joining us, well, welcome. And we've been doing this thing the last two weeks, right? In the uh, the age of sports content here, where it's like the gold rush, but we're mining for content instead of gold. Arthur Motes and I have been doing this, we're calling it settling these debates once and for all, right? Some Actually, classic it's a whole bunch Steelers. of me just selling you what it is. <laughs> and if y'all don't agree with me, then and, I'm mad with you guys. And then Steelers fans reminding Motsi that his Cowboys colors are showing from time to time. <laughs> Prime over Rod, and Rod's my guy. <sighs> Direct all angry tweets at the body 52. We... <laughs> we, we've done, Motsi, we've done best running back in Steelers history. Wide receivers. Uh, we talked about Ben and Bradshaw. We did offensive linemen yesterday. We've done pass rushers. We've done linebackers. We had a lot of fun doing defensive backs, talking about Rod and Troy and Donnie Shell and Mel Blunt and all those guys. Today, Arthur Motes. Whew. Which is the greatest defensive unit in Steelers history, all right? And we don't need to, we don't need to, man, that's like, dude, that's like asking who's, who's the greatest baseball player in Yankees history. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways we can go with this. Arthur Motes, let's get right into it, all right? We don't need to exchange pleasantries. Everybody Mm. knows how this works. You make me go first. Always. So that you can either critique me or you can just pile on with what you agree. So here we go. I'm going to start at the top of the list here, Arthur Motes. I feel like this is one of those... (laughs) 
you know how real quick, just real quick. here you go here you go let, let, let's go ahead and hedge it up real quick let, let's make sure i got this in place before i go ahead and drop this out here now let me just you let, know me. let me I give you some a, caveats real quick first. The minutia, baby. <laughs> you know how sometimes people say oh i got my unpopular opinion uh, but in reality it's it's not an unpopular opinion yeah. like most people like a lot of people will say oh unpopular opinion pineapple is bad on pizza yeah we like 90 percent yeah, of us agree eats with, pineapple with that on pizza. right it's a, Weirdos. That really. Jeez, <laughs> oh, we're about to get some tweets. About no, I'm that. Up, uh, no, actually, I'm not messing. That's but I'm not messing either. You, you keep pineapple off your pizza, yeah, you yeah. heathens. Like, what are you doing? But, this like, you know what I mean? People tweet that all the time. Unpopular opinion. And then they tweet something that's really not that unpopular. Unpopular opinion. LeBron is the best player in the yeah, world right now. Right, hey, hey, bro, right. it's, it's not unpopular. Stop right. it. Unpopular opinion. I need a haircut. Yeah, no kidding. We all, all right. need haircuts. So, I. I think this is one of those like it was an unpopular opinion for a while that's now become popular okay the greatest defense in Steelers history is one that didn't win the Super Bowl it's okay. the 1976 unit that lost to the Oakland Raiders mm-hmm. in the AFC championship game that offense was just decimated with injuries mm-hmm. and the steel curtain carried them to an AFC championship game that defense Motsi, at one point during the season pitched Five straight shutouts mm-hmm. and did not give up a touchdown for forty or sorry twenty two forty two. Mm-hmm. That would have been insane. Sheesh. <laughs> Five straight shutouts didn't give up a touchdown for twenty two straight quarters. It again, if they weren't decimated on offense and were able to beat the Raiders in the AFC Championship game, go on to win the Super Bowl, this defense would be hands down regarded as the greatest in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like for a while it was an unpopular opinion to say the 76 Steelers because they didn't win a Super Bowl. I feel like that's come full circle now where people realize how insane it was what they did that year. 1976. Number two. (laughs) I can feel the tweets. I can feel the fingers fingers coming at me already. Six Super Bowls and you're going with one that didn't even make it there? Uh Well, these guys did. And it was my finest favorite moment as a Steelers fan. Uh oh. The 2008 Pittsburgh okay, Steelers defense okay, is talk number about two him. on this list. Dick LeBeau's him. finest defense led the league in yards allowed, mm-hmm. points allowed. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that 99 yard, 100 yard, whatever it was, interception returned for a touchdown by James Harrison was crucial. They don't win that Super Bowl without that oh, touchdown. No that was the difference over the Cardinals. That defense, Motsi, was the difference. All year long. That 2000 defense, if you look at it statistically, by every measurable, they were one or two in the league. Yes. Against the run, against the pass, points allowed, yards allowed, all those things, turnovers forced, all that stuff. They were one or two in the entire league. They are the second best defense in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Number three, the 1978 Super Bowl winning defense allowed a league low 12.2 points per game during the regular season. That team went 14-2. and two and were Super Bowl champions. Hall of Famer on top of Hall of Famer. No question. On top of (laughs) Hall of Famer. The 1978 defense checks in at number three. Number four, the 1975 defense. The first of the back to yeah, the the first of the back-to-back units. 11 straight wins, 12 and 2 on the year. And Arthur Motes, get this, that Super Bowl was the first in in Super Bowl history that featured two franchises that had mm-hmm. already won a Super Bowl. First True. time ever that that happened. I've got the 75 team at number four. Number five, let me go more. 
my era here with the 2005 defense. That's right. I said it. First team in NFL history to win the Super Bowl as a sixth seed. Closed out the regular season with four straight victories to make the playoffs. In the playoffs, three straight road wins against the conference's top three seeded teams. And in the Super Bowl, that high-powered Seattle offense, right, with Sean Alexander, right? Yes, Wasn't that his yes. name? Sean Alexander. Oh, this Seahawks, this West Coast offense, 10 points. Mm. The Steelers held them, too. Okay. I've got the 2005 unit at number five. Now, Motes, here's how I think we should do this. Okay, let's hear it. Because, you know, we, we, we've got a few minutes here before we got to get the break. I think you should give your top five now, and then in the next segment, we'll go six through ten. Is that fair? Sounds good to me. Even, sound- though, even though when we talked about this— we said we was only going to do a top five. But either way, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know I'm good either way, I'm baby. Good, I'm good with you the top five, I'm and then maybe we can do, we can do honorable mentions after that, this. That's why I had them as okay, honorable but mentions. But I, wanted to, I didn't want to have to go to break here before you got to speak your piece. So there's, okay, there's okay. again, my top five. Number one, 1976. Number yeah. two, 2008. Number three, 1978. Number four, 1975. And number five, 2005. So I'll list my five real quick, and then from there we'll go to break. All right. So for me, man. No, you don't have to be real quick. No, no, no. I'm not. When I say real quick, I'm saying in a more efficient manner. That's (laughs) all. Efficiency is not much. Now, now, when you talk about the number one overall defense in Steelers history, I understand you want to say popular versus unpopular and all these other good things, but hey. You're right, 1976. That's the number one team, period. <laughs> yeah. Now, you you named off all the big stuff, but for me, man, I always look at two categories when I'm talking about a defense because you can go off of the individuals. You can go off of individual statistics, and sure. that's cool. And, and I'll say, man, some teams have elite players, but they're not an elite defense. We've seen that numerous times. We've seen teams we that see are, that with the L.A. Rams absolutely. defense right now with Aaron Donald yeah. and Jalen Ramsey. Or you see teams that are elite at the run but not against the pass. Or like the defense I was on in 14 and 15 where we had a ton of sacks but we couldn't stop anybody from scoring. The two categories that I always feel stand out the most to me when we're talking about defense – Yards allowed and points allowed mm-hmm. because our team's moving the ball up and down the field on you and now they scoring on you. Those are the two categories that matter the absolute most. And when you talk about that 76 team, even though they lost in the AFC Championship, man, they were number one in points allowed and number one in yards allowed. And like you said, man, when you go down the list of a Joe Green, a Jack Ham, a Jack Lambert, I mean, like, dude. What are we talking? I mean, the list goes on. And on. I told you, I felt like it was a cheat code. When you name this defense and name the players on this defense, you could literally go for the next three or four years just naming those guys right there alone, and they'll be in anybody's top ten. Let's keep it real. So that's why full of Hall of Famers no question. on that defense. At the same time, in their prime, At not every different level times. Of the defense too, Correct. on the line, linebackers in the secondary. So that's why they're my number one. My number two team. I was a fan. I was a fan. I'm not going to lie to you. I was a fan. I was in college. I was enjoying life, and I couldn't help myself but to watch them bad boys go out there and get after it. So 2008, that's my number two team. I'm telling you, every time you say this stuff, I'm like, yo, you look at my list. I promise you do, bro, because I'm over here like, first off, when I go, you know me, I'm like 08. Who doesn't know the 08 roster? We talking Baby G's. We talking Debo. We talking Prime Whitley. We talking 9-9, Mr. Kiesel, Hamfoot, Ferry. What are we talking about? Get him. Come on, man. And we talk about Dick LeBeau. Get him. We talk about Dick LeBeau. That's one of the legendary defenses of all time. Get him. Not, not Pittsburgh. All time. Get him. You talking points allowed. One. You talking yards allowed. One. You talk, Man, this team for... I don't think they allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. That, I don't like, think so. That's the type of – dude, do you know how hard that is? 
in the NFL in that era? In that era, too. In that area where they're using two backs, full back, we running the ball, smash mouth? Playing in the AFC North, what? too. Come on, man. What are we talking about here? Come on, baby. The only reason they're not number one just yet is because we don't know how many Hall of Famers will be on that <laughs> list. Whereas I, 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 it's hard for me to say, man, when I'm looking at all these other guys who are Hall of Famers, how, how can I put them above that right there? You know there? what's crazy, too? You and I have both now talked about that 2008 defense. Never mentioned Casey Hampton. I mean, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. There are just there are dudes at like the '76 defense, dudes at every single level. Animals, man, animals. Now at number three, this is where we started there for a little bit. At number three, I went with that 2011 Steelers defense. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The They're one on that lost in the wild card round. Absolutely, because for me, man, I'm not gonna punish them. For losing early, because we know what that defense was, though, man. When you talk about Troy, you talk about Debo. This is back now. Now you got Timmons emerging as an inside linebacker, not off the edge anymore. You got Mr. Ike T out there and all those guys. Like, for me, man, that defense, man, once again, one in yards allowed, one in points. And that was the year that Troy won Defensive yes. Player of the mm-hmm. Year, correct? Absolutely, man. So when you factor in that, and like I said, I always try to focus on the team element versus the individual sure, sure. because otherwise, you know, I mean, we could go from 74 to 76 and talk just individual accolades for those guys each season. This 08, 9, 10, 11 years, man, that was – like, them defenses there, it was crazy, crazy. But I'm getting a little long-winded, man, so let me keep going. No, 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 yeah, there's no such thing, baby. Now, now at number four, you went with the 75. I did. I kept it back at 74. Ooh. Yeah, I like that 74. The first champions yeah. in franchise history. It's something about when you win that first one. It's something about when you look at the draft that they had and how those defenders ultimately became the stars. They emerged. It, for for me, that stands out the most because it's so hard. To that do. was the Lambert year, Yes, correct? absolutely. Yep, yep. yep. That, so it's so hard to do, though, man. But when you look at that defense, too, man, shout out to Andy Russell. I said, I got to make sure I include Andy Russell on this mm-hmm. list right here, man. Mm-hmm. Because 74, man, he was out there doing his thing. Obviously, LC was out there, Mel Blunt, Lambert, Joe Graham. I mean, the list goes on. But for me, man, when I look at that defense right there, even though they were number two in points allowed, bro, they still dominated, changed the face of the franchise, and ultimately made it where, like you said, defense is what this team is recognized as. Defense is what the Steelers are recognized Synonymous. as. Yep. Like, that, that's just what it is. People will talk, well, what about the Bears? The Bears were hot for a little while, but they didn't do it over this this uh, this elongated time frame. You know what I mean? Like, in, in so many different decades and generations of just dominant defenders, dominant team defenses. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went with the 74 team. And then at number five, man, it's another team that fell short. But I don't blame them for this one because I feel like they personally got cheated. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm talking about 04. I'm talking AFC Championship. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking that one. You know my boy PZ55, Mr. Mm-hmm. I'll punch you in the mouth before the game. That one. 15-1 and one yeah, regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TP, baby Jesus. Got my dog Foot and Farrier. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Deshae and Aaron Smith. Mm-hmm. Aaron Smith. Underrated. Extremely. Underrated. underrated. But a dog. Extremely. And when you look at their stats, man, they speak for themselves. But more importantly, like I said, number one, yards allowed. Number one, points allowed. And they flat out balled on all three levels. And like you said, man, we know they weren't carried by offense during that year. 
It was actually the opposite. Yep. It was the exact opposite. Yep. It was, it was, hey, it was hey, Ben, if you don't lose us this game, we're gonna be control fine. the clock, <laughs> right. we're going to be fine. Right. Pick up first downs, keep, get us on the uh-huh. sideline, let us rest, we're going to be fine. Because when I talk 08, when I talk 11, I'm like, you know what? Offense definitely picked it up a lot by then. Sure. Still wasn't like how it is from 14 on, but they picked it up a lot back then. They had, some, they had Heath and right. they had San Antonio Absolutely. and they had Fast Willie. Absolutely. 04? No, 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 no. 04, we running the ball playing defense. <laughs> Straight like that. Maybe you hit plaques on, you know a, I mean? on a long ball yeah, like, once in a while. Like that's what we want right here, all right? Ben, don't throw it over more than 20 times this game, all right? That's it. So, for me, man, that's what, that's my, that's why they get the fifth, uh, the fifth spot. So, just to give you a recap before we go to break, 1976 Steelers team was my number one. 08 Steelers team was my number two. The 2011 Steelers, team, uh, Steelers defense was my number three. That 74, the first ones, not, 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 the, not the, the back-to-back, the first ones. They become my number four team, and they're not 014. Yes, indeed, the 014. They got the little janky situation. They're my fifth team. So I went 76 1, 2008 2. Moats and I both agreed there. 78 3, 75 4, and 2005 5. Now, where do we go after that? Because, man, there's still a lot of really good defenses. Oh, without a doubt. We've got to talk about. We'll start there, hour number two on the other side. we got some tweets already. Get those in. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions to our list. You can find us at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. 60 minutes in the book, 60 more to go. Come back with us inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24 7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Ecstatic. Well, that's good. Me too. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, hour number two inside the electric factory as we debate the greatest Steelers defenses of all time. All right, Arthur Motes. I did my top five, and now you're right. Yesterday we said only top five, but you know me. I just got to doing my research, and I couldn't oh, yeah, stop there. Man, you never could stop, man. It's all good. Do you have tripping? honorable mentions or, oh, or defenses no, yeah, past yeah. 94? Okay. Wait, wait, try, trust me. We're going to make it do what it do, baby. That's what we do now. Okay. No, okay. So do you on, want baby. me to list five more, or do you want me to just the how, next honorable how you, mentions? How you want to do it? Huh? How you want to do it? Make it light on yourself, nephew. That's what we always say on the court. Make it light on yourself, nephew. What you want to do? <laughs> oh, you're funny. You, man, you. I'm always right. You either, you either agreeing t- or you on the other side of it. That's I'll talk it. about these. I'll talk. Let's yeah. talk about five more here. Okay. Let's do it. My number six, Arthur Motes. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is my biggest hot take. The 1994 Steelers defense. Ooh. Yeah, that lost to the Chargers yes, in the yes, AFC yes. Championship game. Now I know a lot of people are probably thinking, "Well, what about '95? That team made it to the Super Bowl." Yeah, but Rod was hurt. Uh huh. So give me that '94 defense. You kidding me, Rod Woodson? Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd. Mm. Oh, they had some talent on that defense. 1994, I got number six. Now, number seven, 
like Motsi was saying, come on, you never forget your first. I couldn't have them much lower than this. Come on, baby. Don't disrespect the squad. I got that squad from 74, which has all the 70s icons, has Andy Russell as well, mm-hmm. too. I always thought that was important, man. Andy on it the is. team, man. No, absolutely. Because he was on the first two, right? Yes, yes. And then not the second two. So, yeah, very important. I've got them at number seven, at number eight. I got the defense that Moats was talking about from 2010, 2011. Come on, baby. NFL's top-ranked defense. And, yes, they didn't make a ton of noise in the playoffs, which obviously plays into this. Correct. But you had James Harrison, what, a year or two removed from Defensive Player of the Year, still no, no, killing it. No, not James Harrison. That was Debo. You had yeah. baby Jesus Troy Palomalu win Defensive Player of the Year. I can't have those guys any lower than number eight. Come on, number nine, the 1979 defense, the last ride for those guys from the 70s, the fourth. First of four, baby, the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. First of four, first of six, hopefully first of seven as well, hey, Arthur Motes. call it. I've got the 79 defense at number nine. And then come on, baby, number 10 on my list. Did you really think I was going to forget these boys? Uh-oh. 2019! What are we talking about? Last year? Come on, man. This group of guys has led the league in sacks for three straight years. This group of guys, despite never playing with a lead, was able to accomplish everything they did last season. We're talking Cam Hayward and Javon Hargrave. We're talking TJ, Timothy, Jimothy, what? Timothy? I thought you were pulling an A B. Timothy, oh Tim- Tim- what is this? Timothy Jimothy what? No, it's actually what? it's actually Trenton James. Isn't that what TJ stands for? Allegedly. <laughs> Trenton James what? Timothy Jimothy what? You kidding me? Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, you got Hayden, you got Nelson, you got all pro Minkle Fitzpatrick, and the big hitter T Edmonds. Are you kidding me? Imagine that defense last year. We've talked about this. They knew they had to win every single game. Oh, yeah. They never had that the Steelers are up nine points, the Steelers are up ten <laughs> points in the fourth quarter, in the, and there's six minutes left in the game, and Watt and Dupree and Cam and those guys get to just pin their ears Correct. back. And the opposing offense has to try and throw the ball against Hayden and Nelson and Edmonds and Minka and even Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton deserve credit too. Come on, man. Imagine that defense last year if Ben was healthy and they were able to play with leads throughout the year and not almost always be on the field way more than the other defense, playing 20 more snaps than the Seattle defense, 21 more snaps than the Niners defense. It continued like that for a lot of the season. Come on, man. Imagine that defense last year with an offense on the other side of the football. I got to give some love to that defense. But they I'll did put have an offense. They had an elite offense. Hmm. How you define an elite? Loosely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arthur Mutz, so where are, you, where are you going from your top five? All right, man. So for me, <clears throat> him, him. you know what I'm saying? Let me make sure I got my voice clear. I don't want no mix-ups and no mishaps. All right? But for me, man, number six, I'm taking it to 07, baby. Yes, indeed, man. Keeping it again with the – I mean, I feel like 06 I – mean, no, 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 07, 08, 09, 10. That was just like my glory years of like – Yo, the Steelers defense. I mean, because we talk about that 07 team, talking about Troy, you're talking about Debo, Farrier, Foot, Hampton, Kiesel. I mean, the same group of guys, same group of guys balling out, beasting it on the field. Like I said, once again, two, number two ranked in points allowed, number one ranked in yards allowed. And we already talked about individually what these guys were doing during those seasons, man. We're talking about primetime Debo. We're talking about a guy that was terrorizing, terrorizing. 
One of the most feared pass rushers but like ever. That, that's when he was on his spree of just like, oh, year to year. I'm, I'm, In front of men's health with the you double You know what block. I'm saying? Just nasty with it, bro. Nasty. So that's why for me, man, they're at number six. At number seven, I couldn't, I couldn't hate on the back-to-back guys. I couldn't do that. And this is as low as they go. It's the 1975 team, man. We talked about it. You've talked about it. At nauseum, man, for me, the only reason they're lower on this list is just because they, like I said, fourth in the league in yards allowed that season. Sure. And I thought that that kind of hurt a hey, little you bit. Gotta, when we're talking about these great you defenses, you got to split hairs. Because, yeah. it, I mean, this is the thing, man. When, when I'm looking at how do I rank them, when you're t- – because we talked about this. We said, man, it's hard to say – which unit was the best when you are having 90% of the same guys on the team each year? Right. right. So it's just like, okay, with, with, with Joe Green is 74th better than Joe Green is 75. Like, yeah, right. You right, know what right. I mean? Right. That's <laughs> like, what it's crazy. To, you have to look at the team stats at right. that point. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, okay, the, the only way I can really rank this thing is by going through the team element only. Because individually, I'm not about to compare. Oh, let, let me compare Lambert this year to Lambert last year. Like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not. They were just all the same out there, still balling. I mean, oh, you can play this year. Oh, you know what? I'll take it next year. You know, hey, hey, you'll get it the year after that. Like, that's what they was doing out there, man. And it's not even funny. Like, that was crazy to think about. But for me, ultimately, man, that's why I have them at number seven. And number eight, taking it to 2010, man. 2010, my rookie year. This is back when Debo lost about half a million dollars in fines to Goodell. <laughs> bad, bad, man, right there, man. But I loved it, man. I loved him, man, because, yeah, this is when he was really just setting the tone defensively. And then also, you remember Willie, this is the year where they both went double digits, both went mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. Obviously, the year didn't end the way they wanted it to end. But, man, when you talk about what that defense was doing, you talk about what Troy, you talk about what the man Ike T. I mean, Ike T was out there locking people down. Still couldn't catch that either, but he was still doing his thing, man. I love that about him, man. And obviously, like we said, man, we don't even bring up Hamp. We don't even bring up Casey Hampton, man. One, dude. I know we've said this now about like three or four different Steelers, but you could put him in that conversation for most underrated Steeler of all time. Like, seriously, man, when you talk about the impact that he had, you talk about how he was felt on these defenses that were elite. He wasn't just being carried. He wasn't just a guy out there. He was dominant at what he So did. versatile, too. You could line oh him up. Gosh. One gap, three gap, didn't matter. He could do it all. Absolutely. Take on man. double teams himself, eat the interior of offensive lines. Listen, he, he was a if freak. you played interior linebacker, you wanted to play behind him. 100%. Because you were going to be clean the whole game. I've told you this before. I don't think he'll have, ever have the stats to get into the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because he just doesn't have the sack numbers, the tackle for loss numbers. Mm-hmm. But you can easily argue he was the best interior lineman of, oh his, of his era. Like, dude, between, I always say it's between him and Wolfolk. Yeah. Him and, him and Vince. The difference was where Hamp didn't go on the run of winning – Four Super Bowls or three Super Bowls back to back and, and all that wasn't the face of that Correct. his defense like Will Fork. Will Fork was the face, was of, the his face of it, which says a lot about those defenses. Like they had good players, but they just had more so just guys. They had a lot of really good. Yes, Vince Wilfork, Richard Seymour, yes. Teddy Bruschi, Mike Vrabel. Yeah, but they 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 were Rodney Harrison scheme specific, but they weren't big personalities either. Right. So with Wolfolk, Wolfolk was the person. Correct. So yeah. that's why Wolfolk was able was to stand out so he much more. He was the Debo or the Peasy of that Absolutely, defense. Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. So I think that's the only reason why they're viewed differently. But from there, man, at number nine, man, I went with the 1978. And this is the thing, man. I tell you, like, we could just stay in that, that 70s I era. Know. I know. Dude, they <laughs> – we could rank 70s defenses. We could rank the 2000s defenses. Bro, you, you realize we did a top 10 defense. Top 10 still defense in the 70s has four of those defenses, bro. Yeah. Like the exact same well, people up there. Five, if you include yeah, well, 76. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the four Super Bowl like, winning crazy, teams man. and then 76. It's this nuts. It's crazy. It is. 
So for me, man, I went with the 78 team, man. And then at number 10, you went with the 95 one. 94. You, okay, okay. I was yeah, about to say we yeah, yeah. the same thing. Because 95 Rod yes, was Rod hurt. Yes, Rod was hurt. Absolutely. So they for made me, the Super Bowl that yes. year, but Rod was hurt. Yes, so me, I went 94 as well, man. They're my 10th team because for me, man, this is when Kevin Green was on his three-year absolute tear. We talked about how he has three seasons, and you talk about passers. I think it was, what, 30-something sacks? Or like, that's insane. Insane mm-hmm. what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got Kirkland and then Greg Lloyd. You know Mr. Greg Lloyd, man. Big fan of his game. But, yeah, man, that, that defense. Didn't that even year, mention man. Carnell Lake when, right. when we well, were talking I, about I have that him defense. Up here. The only reason yeah. I put C. Lake is because, you know, that's, he was on the squad. He coached with me. You know I mean, he was coaching sure. while I was balling. Sure. So, I always got, I'm always a fan of C. Lake, man. But, dude, that defense then, man, it was crazy. And it, it was crazy. It, it really was. It really was that. It's those '90s defenses are forgotten because again they weren't able to yes. win a Super Bowl. But they so many AFC Championship games. Obviously the appearance in '95. Mm-hmm. We talk about Hall of Famers. That defense has a handful of them too. Oh, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Yeah, I went '94 though because again I know in '95 they were able to get over that hump, yeah. go to the Super Bowl, but no Rod Woodson. '94, mm-hmm. man, that loss. And from to a the team different standpoint, they had better. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, yards allowed and points allowed, statistically, they were better in both of those categories, 94 better than 95. So that was another reason why I leaned for them. We talk a lot about the greatest moments in mm-hmm. Steelers history, right? The first Super Bowl, the Immaculate Reception, a, a lot of those things. Uh, that maybe was the biggest gut punch, was that that 94, 11-point mm-hmm. home favorites against the Chargers. And what <laughs> makes it the worst, Motsi, is that game's in January in Pittsburgh, and for some reason it was 70-some degrees yeah. that day. Why couldn't it be 12 degrees and snowing like when the, supposed when the to team be. from San Diego comes across the country? That one was rough. That one was rough. I like it, Arthur Motes. I like it. Here those we were go. Some, a ton some of similarities good, up here. A lot usual, of similarities, man. except as for usual. you not giving any love to those boys from last year. I'm going to tell them about that. Man, listen. I'm going to tell I'm them. Not, I, hey, not having it. <laughs> so what say you? Who's the I'll, best? Call me a hater if that's the case. Who's then? the greatest Steelers defense in franchise history. I think we have it narrowed down, Motsi. 76 or 08, right? Basically, yeah. Let us know on Twitter. At Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. Or if you think it's another year, hey, you could tell us that too. It's got to be 76 or 08, bro. I think so too, but hey, that's why we do this, right? To embrace debate. Everybody's got their opinion. Let us know on the Twitter.com. We'll get to your tweets before we wrap up the show. On the other side, a little three-question Thursday. Euler and Motes, we roll along on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Time for three questions on a Thursday. You know, Arthur Motes, I, I like to think we've picked up some new listeners in the last two weeks as we roll along here. So for those who might not be familiar, it's a real simple concept. Three questions for Arthur Motes. Sometimes they involve sports. Sometimes they're a little outside of the box. It's just our opportunity to laugh and goof and and have a little fun on a Thursday, right? Simple concept. So here we go. Arthur Motes, I got to tell you, all right? There's no sports directly sports-related questions on this list today because uh, what do we got to talk about? Well, hey. Sit here and talk about Manchester United and that big 3-0 win yesterday, but nobody okay. wants to hear that. Okay, okay. Except for me. Three-question Thursday. Question number one. All right, Mutz, we've got, we've got a, a music-related question, a video game-related question, and a, a career-related question. So I should ask you, which one do you want first? 
We'll go with the second one. The second one was video game related yes. question. Mm -hmm. All right, Arthur Motes. Yesterday was the 24th anniversary. Man, we're getting old. Of the release of Nintendo 64. Shout out to Golden Eye. Side note. Yeah. Side note. <laughs> it came out, came out in 96, okay? Yeah. For three straight years, I had to ask my parents for one for Christmas before I finally got one. So, so check it out. I never was able to own one, but my cousin had one live right across the street. I was over it all the time. All the time. All the Tony time. Hawk Pro Skater, Absolutely. Golden Eye, all the time. Super so, Smash, so the way it Mario out, Kart. He had the 64. And then when PlayStation dropped, I had to PlayStation. So we would just alternate back and forth, bro. But yeah, GoldenEye, bro. Legendary. But I ask you, Arthur Motes. Mario Kart. Oh, my God. I ask you, Arthur Motes, in your most humble of opinions, what is your favorite video game console of all time? <sighs> I'm putting you on a spot. All time. So this is my dilemma because obviously I'm anyone who's listened to me, you know, on this platform and any of the other platforms, they know I play both PS4 and Xbox. Like, I love them both. For me, I'm going to go PlayStation just because... Which one, though? Well, I'm about to get into it. Okay, okay. So, first off, I'm going to say just PlayStation to start off with, just because I think back to, like, my childhood, me and my brother growing up, some of our best moments and memories were on the PlayStation. But um, in terms of which one... I mean, you know how it goes. You're always going to say the newest one is the best one because from a graphic sure. standpoint, maybe games, your favorite is the better way to standpoint. put the question. But I would say my favorite would probably be would probably be PlayStation 2. Yeah, when they first made that switch from the old school gray to the black, it was a lot bigger. I remember for me, man, it was a big deal to be able to get one. And the way my parents operated, because you know, PlayStation and Xbox, they always alternate when they're dropping and things like that. Sure. So when I had the original PlayStation, when the Xbox came out, I couldn't just get the Xbox. I had to wait. I was off a year. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But then when they dropped the PlayStation 2, the PS2, whew, I was in line to get me one. Mm -hmm. and, and, and good old Santa Claus. Yeah, you know Santa. You know Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah, man. Santa Claus made sure I had one of them things, man. And me and my brother literally played that. We had... This is, it wasn't even NBA 2K. We played NBA Live on it. Yep. Yeah, we had NBA Live. The Paul Pierce on the front? Maybe. I'm trying to think. Tracy McGrady on the front? Because I remember playing yeah. those games too. I know Kobe was on the front we, of some we, of those. We had NBA Live. And then for football, this is when we weren't even playing Madden all the way. Like we had Madden, but this is when it was like uh, 2K. 2K. Yep. 2K was taking With off. T.O. and yes, Randy Moss yes, on the cover. Absolutely. Covers. Yep. Dude, love that game, man. You talk about nostalgia, man. So for me, it'd be PS2. It's funny, same timeline. Uh, for me, it's OG Xbox, original mm, Xbox. Halo. Re and I was going to say, yeah. real simple, because of Halo and Halo 2. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know I've made this confession before, all right? I made money in my lifetime playing Halo 2. When I was a teenager, my dad had to file a special tax thing just for me because of the money that I made. Play I was a semi-pro Halo 2 player back in my teenage years. Yeah, it's OG Xbox for me. I, I logged so many hours on that system. PlayStation 2 would be close as well, too, because Grand Theft Auto was such a big part of mm -hmm. my childhood. And I always liked PlayStation a little bit more for the sports games as well, too. Oh, I yes, just yes, thought absolutely. they were a little bit smoother on the PlayStation. Dude, you remember Tony Hawk? Oh, oh man. So good. I wanted to be a skater so bad because of so, Tony Hawk, bro. So, so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, just so many great iconic games. So, yeah, OG Xbox would be one for me, then probably Station 2, and then maybe 64 or 3rd. But, yeah, I go OG Xbox, you go PlayStation 2, the duality of man, baby. Are the moats? Three question Thursday, question number two.
If money was no object, what would you do every single day for, but you have to, you have to work, right? Mm -hmm. To it, universal income or whatever, money's no object. Everybody's making the tell same what, amount tell of what, what, what would you do for tell work? What, wait a minute. Why are you going to ask me that question, bro? Because you're going to make, like, I Besides feel like. Besides what we're doing right now. I was going to say, you're going to make me sound like a, like a jerk right now. Like, well, actually, I'm doing it. <laughs> Because hold on, the key word there, right, is work. I said, what would you do for work? This ain't work, baby. Well, that's what I'm saying because, like, so <sighs> let me let me tell you what mine would be to give you an idea. Okay, let me hear. It. Vintage sports memorabilia collector. If money was no object okay. and I could just do something that I think would be fun, dude, I would buy and exchange vintage sports memorabilia. You know how much mm. you and I love our sports jerseys. Yeah. I'd be selling vintage and exchanging classic jerseys money and kits. Wasn't a... I'd be a vintage sports memorabilia dealer, baby. I'd be out there slanging seats from Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, for me, then... Jeez, cause see, I've never it's never been a money. Vein you could be for a pitmaster, you know. Nah, it's never been a money vein for me. It's more so like the time, like football was the money element. This right here is just like it's not for the money that I do the media. It's just the time, you know right. what I mean? Like how I value that. But for me, man, it'll probably be two things. Number one would be a street car drag racer. Oh, that's like, a like, good one. Like not not on the track, you know what I mean? Not not the suit like like the straightaway. Shot. Think like Fast and the Furious, where like the little parachute yeah. comes out the back. No 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 no. Or you're talking like like, like fast. Yeah 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 yeah. Like Vin Diesel. Yeah, that, like, I said like Fast and the Furious. It doesn't matter if you went by an inch, you, know you went by a mile. Like, like we're dragging quarter mile. It let's go on the street, okay. block the street off. Okay. We we hitting it like that <laughs> in, in like our regular whips. Not not like I said not the. Not the, the funny cars or the stock cars and things like that. I'm talking like, yo, you you get your car, you soup it up, you put money in it, I'm going to do what I do to mine, and then we're going to have at it. Like, that style. Like, I would love to do that. And then, like I said, if I had, I mean, if it wasn't a money thing and I didn't have to worry about the time, if I had, like, a lot more free time and all that other stuff, man, I, I, I would just definitely go back and just continue to coach my kids in sports, bro. I had a blast coaching my daughter's basketball Ooh, team this year, bro. That's a really that good one. That was a blast. That was a really and, good and, one. Like, I had zero to do with money. It was just the time it's element of it. It was just fun, though. So, like, for me, like, I would totally go that route, bro. I like that. That's a good one. And I bet yeah. you, once that you know, Lord willing, I have kids one of these days. I'll probably. Bro, so fun. Oh, uh, that would be a blast. It was so fun. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Real simple, Arthur Motes. Three artists or bands that you would like to see in concert, with the caveat, mm -hmm. they still can't be on tour or or active right now. So if they're dead, can somebody be alive from that? They can be dead or alive. Like for example, they can come back. Jimi Hendrix is one of mine. Okay, so, so okay. no longer they can be dead or alive, but okay. just no longer they're no longer active. Okay, perfect. And somebody that you never saw that yeah. you would go back in time to see in concert. Absolutely, this is easy, then, man. Three of them. Yeah. So for me, man, I'm going to start out with Bob Marley. I would it's a very good one. I would definitely want to go there. I think that would be just an awesome atmosphere. Just watching some of his older stuff, man. Huge fan of him, man. I would just the vibe there though, and how he even in, I mean, I think even in today's climate, like he was talking about some of this stuff back then, forty years ago. Like 
just before his time. You know what I mean? So you know his last concert was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, too. yeah. So for me, man, it would definitely be Bob Marley, man. He would be the first one. Then from there, man, Avenge Sevenfold, but it has to be with the drummer, the Rev, Jimmy the Rev. Yes, Look indeed. Look at you, you, now, now, you metalhead, dude. I can't. I, 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 man, before school, when I was in going into my freshman sophomore high school, mm-hmm. me and my little brother, this is when MTV used to play videos. <laughs> I it's remember a, it's those days. They used to play videos. So every morning before school, we timed it up where Avenge Sevenfold would play Backcountry every morning right before we got to leave to go catch the bus. So we would. Hear this song, I would air drum, he would air the guitar, and dude, we absolutely loved it. So for me, man, ever since then, I've been a huge fan of them, but obviously the drummer ended up uh, dying a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. So for me, man, I'm like, yo, I would always want to go back then to see him live, to see them play live, and that whole, like, just hard rock, metal head, gothic everything, blacked mm-hmm. out vibe, like, it's just dope to me, man. What if I told you I saw them in 2008? I'll be so jealous of you right now, man. There was like a, uh, you remember that, well, you, I said you you remember, like like you were born and raised in Pittsburgh, <laughs> where the uh, soccer stadium is now, where the river. Okay, yeah, play. yeah. Used to be a concert pavilion there. Oh, Chevy Amphitheater, it was okay. called. Yeah, yeah. I saw, it was like the summer between my junior and senior year of okay. high school, it yeah. was like a bunch of those rock bands like yeah. Avenged Sevenfold, Coheed and Cambria. Oh, man. We're, we're all there. Dude, that touches my heart, bro. Oh, yeah. All right. That so so you Bob Marley to Avenged Sevenfold, completely two different types uh, of music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, man. Who's your third one? Now, my third one is Biggie Smalls, man. I'm a big, big hip-hop head, big, big into like that New York rap. And Biggie Smalls for me, man, is like my number one. I mean, I love Jay-Z because he's so similar. He, his style was so similar to Biggie. It was just, you know, obviously he evolved it and, and made it more reformed and was able to blow it up even bigger. But for me, man, Biggie Smalls, dude, I remember, like, same time frame, that event, Sevenfold, I'm bumping the Biggie, my older cousin, man, God rest the dead. Like, he put me on the Biggie. We used to rock, oh, my goodness, like, just lyric got the lyric. I song like got it. the song. Just so tough and just rough three, with it, those man. Those are three so, different genres yeah. from our oh, yeah. notes there. Well, anybody that knows, I'm, I'm very diverse when it comes it, to the we music, both man. Are. That's why we very like having diverse. these music conversations. I like I that. I would say, I'm mad you only gave me three. I could have went to five, oh, ten of them easily, sure. bro. For easily. Sure. That's why I had to say three yeah. because you, you got to make it a little difficult on yourself, you Yeah, because I'm like, dude, do I go my classical route? Do I go my gospel route? Like, I got people in both. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I would have loved to have been able to see this person. I would have loved to have seen them go and, and and just go to work right here, man. So number one for me is Jimi Hendrix. Mm, oh, Without course, a doubt. Course. Uh, when I was a kid, he was he's not my favorite guitarist of all time, but he was the first guitarist that kind of ever stopped me in my tracks. When I, yeah. when I was a kid, when I was 12, 13 years old, learning how to play guitar, he was the guy for me. Arthur Motes, I listened to his music from the 60s, and it's been 50 years ago. And people still can't have the tone and the sound that Jimi Hendrix had back in the Dude. 60s. It's incredible. People have tried to replicate it for 50 years. It's, it's just such a testament to how far ahead of his time he was. I'd love to see Jimi in concert, smash the guitar, light it on fire, all that stuff. Hendrix is number one for me. Number two is the Grateful Dead. Mm, deadhead, deadhead. I know some people are probably saying, wait, Wes, you talk about some dead shows you've been to. That's Dead and Company. That's the reboot, right, where John Mayer stands in for Jerry Garcia, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're great, and I love them, but all the original members are in their 70s now, you know, and there's some John Mayer and some other fill-in guys. I'm talking, like, in the 70s, like the young Grateful Dead in the middle of a field for, like, a three-day festival. That would be number two for me, Arthur Motes. And then, you know, I thought about putting Stevie Ray Vaughan here for number three because mm, okay. he is my favorite guitarist right, of right. all time. But since I already have Jimmy and the, and the guitarist specialist – I went with Led Zeppelin. 
Ooh. Yeah. So short. I like, like that. Like, yeah, Zeppelin, yeah. you know, they really only had like an eight or nine year run. Yeah. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. I mean, I, I feel like it would be just amazing to see those guys in concert. Just such a unique band from the blending of rock and folk and blues. Mm-hmm. Zeppelin, baby, would have been man, a blast. Man, you had to make us stay at three, bro? Man, what? I'm mad with you. For All right, give me, give me one more. One more? One more. Let me give you two more. Can I get two more? Two more. Can I get you two more? Two more. Okay, That's cool. Fine. Two more. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. For me, man, Ray Charles and then Beethoven. Come on, baby. I can't help myself. Ooh. Yes, Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What? Come on, Beethoven, son. Beethoven, baby. What? My dad, my dad would be oh really proud if he's listening right now. Bro, man. That's it. Like, you talk about my era just growing up, bro. People would, this is back when you had the CDs and you make the mix CDs, bro. Before iPods, before iPods came out, mm-hmm. before the Nano and all that, you had to make mm-hmm. your CDs and burn them. And literally, people would look, I used to have like the CD, like the the, the little book of CDs where you could just put the different mixes in there, your different CDs, and you pull them out. And man, people would look at me like, oh, you got Beethoven, you got Hamlin, you got Coppin, you got Biggie, you got, it's just Billy Joel right here. Then it's then it's Jay Z. Then all of a sudden it's some country. Yeah, in there like all it's it's so diverse, bro. Like, oh man, but Ray Charles, bro, that touched my that's heart. A, that's bro. a great one, Georgia. Come mm-hmm. on, baby. And then we already know what Beethoven, bro. Like, like you can't you can never go wrong with Beethoven. Beethoven's good for any occasion. Yeah, I don't listen to Beethoven pregame getting ready to go knock somebody's head off. Like, dead serious, man. I'm there with it. It gets you in the zone. It does, bro. It gets you in the or zone. Or at the same time, I want to be elegant. I want to feel like I'm bougie in the house with the kids. They're like, Dad, we doing this tonight? Yes, and I'm drinking my red wine. Shut <laughs> it up. <laughs> All right, if I've got to add two more, uh, give me the Beatles. Oh, and I don't know. Maybe this one isn't fair because I guess technically he's still active, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, an Eminem show in the '90s, Ooh, like late '90s Eminem yeah. show, blonde hair, Slim Shady. Yeah, late yeah. '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah, give me the Beatles and give me Slim Shady if we're yeah. if we're if we're going to five. That was good. That was fun, dude. Folks. I can I can keep going, bro. Uh, we we've talked about this before. You and I could do a two hour show on music alone no every single day. No question. I'm still having regrets right now from a. Concert I did miss that was in Pittsburgh. Uh, this would have been eighteen. Elton John. Yep. So I was supposed to go. Obviously, I just signed with Arizona, so I was uh I was out there and I was gonna fly back, but I, I got hurt. So I'm like, all right, I ain't gonna fly back. I'll wait. Then the following year, I forgot what happened, but he ended up canceling. Yes. And then obviously he was supposed to come back this year. And COVID. COVID. I'm just COVID. I'm just I'm just kicking myself. I told you my Elton John story. 2015, I saw him in Youngstown. The arena, our our hockey arena, yeah. moats that held seven thousand people. Elton John played it in Youngstown, Ohio, in 2015, yeah. and I got to walk out. I, I literally worked in my office till like five thirty. Yeah, walked around the corner into our executive suite Dude. and sat there and drank free beers and watched Elton John just rip the piano apart for two hours. Dude, like it like, was amazing. I want to go see him across the pond. Oh, I, I need to see him like in his home. Is that the number one you would like to see across the pond right now? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that's another good question. For me, I think it would be you know who Liam Gallagher is. Oh, John he was, the, he was the front man for Oasis. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's you know him. Oasis obviously Absolutely broke up yes. a long time ago, but mm-hmm. he's had like a solo career as well too. His concerts in Man- he's from Manchester, yeah. which you know obviously plays into this oh, for me too. Of course, of course. His concerts in Manchester, Mozi, are like biblical. Like people stand up on their chairs yeah. and they got the hooligans, their hands out and they're screaming and they're chanting. Like I would, that'd be a lot of fun. All right, oh, well, Music man. Nation Radio returns here in just a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Shout out to the three question Thursday, man. You always gonna give us something to go on. I love it. I love. It. Listen, we love sports and we talk about sports ninety five percent of the time. But we're very, we're very diverse. Sometimes we gotta, we gotta have a little fun and, Listen, and get man, off, the, get off the tracks a little. Tell bit. them, don't pigeonhole us.
That's right. Don't pigeonhole us just like you don't pigeonhole your athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, Lil J and B, 55, best concert I ever went to. Jay-Z, uh, Hard Knocks tour with Redman and Method Man Ooh. opening. They actually stole the show. Bro, that's fire. That's good. I got a chance to see Jay-Z, Magna Carter, yep. Holy Grill up in Buffalo. I remember insane. you telling – you've told that insane, story on the show here. Saying, bro. <laughs> All right, we got to get to our last break. Last chance to get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. Everything on the table as we wrap up the show on the other side. It's Euler Emotes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. When the Dixie Cups are playing, that can only mean one thing. It's time to wrap up the show with your tweets here, Arthur Motes. And we've got a bunch of them. Let's get into it here. Thrash says, if I were to see at least three bands that aren't active anymore, give me Pantera, mm, Nirvana, okay. Ooh, and Nirvana. Ronnie James Dio era Black Sabbath. Ooh, Black, Black Sabbath, Sabbath concert would have been wild. Ozzy biting some heads off. Yeah, bro. That would have been a lot yeah, of Yeah, you can't get wrong with that. That's a, that's a good call, Thrash. TC says, uh, I didn't hear you guys' entire lists. Well, real quick, TC, that's okay. Catch it on the podcast. Oh, oh Steelers I heard Blitz. of these podcast things. Commercial free, on demand, wherever yes. you get your podcast, baby. Steelers Blitz, that's Blitz with a Z. Uh, TC, didn't get to hear your entire list, uh, but I heard your top two. Um, if you look at yards per play, the 76 team gave up 3.8 yards per play. The 08 team gave up 3.9 yards per play. Both better than the 85 Bears in the 2000 mm, Ravens. Talk about it. Let's go, TC. I think I'll say this, Boats. If you did a top 10 defenses list in the history of the National Football League, I think the Steelers would be the only franchise with two units on there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One from, you'd have the seven, I think you'd have 76 and 08. Yes. Eight, 85 Bears, obviously. The 2,000 Ravens would be in there. Got to be in there. Uh, like you the think 15, about Bucks? The what about the Bronco team, though? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I think Bucks, Bucks team defense. in there. Maybe the 15 Broncos. Shout out to Coach Tomlin, too, man. Maybe, yeah, maybe the 13 Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Legion of Boom, yeah. But, again, I think the Steelers are the only franchise with two teams yeah. in that top ten if we're talking the history of Jeez, the entire league. I'm trying to think. Cowboys don't have anything like that. No. Raiders. Eh. Niners, maybe. Niners, yeah. But not as good as any of those defenses we just mentioned. Mm. I mean, there were a couple years in the 90s when the Packers were winning Super Bowls and going to Super Bowls that they had Reggie White and those but guys. No, no, but no, they, they, they weren't as they dominant. Weren't as they had, like, one unit. or two pieces. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <sighs> Would you throw in a Patriots unit in there, maybe? Mm. Which one, though? Yeah, I don't know. Probably one of the thing, early as a top 10, we're, we named probably the top five off the top of our head. But uh, 8, 9, 10, we saw even name our list how – when you start splitting hairs like that, a lot of factors, a lot of variables play into it. So I think that could potentially be it. The lit one, Rebecca. Lit, lit, lit. She says, I'm showing my age, but I loved me some Atari back in the day. Pitfall hey. and Frogger. Uh, she also said she liked putting the 2019 boys in the top 10 for sure. Imagine them in the win-loss column if we had an offense oh, overlooked yeah. because be of that. that. You know the lit one's always got my back, baby. Thrash also adds, I had to make sure I listened to your guys' number one before I wrote a tweet because if you were going to put 08 in front of 76, I was about to lose some respect <laughs> in the crowd's face. 
but then look, but then uh, Mr. No Followers, JB says 08 is greater than any 70s defense with the Ooh. eye emoji. Oh. Get off your chest. You know what's funny? Our, uh, <laughs> our, what do we decide that we, uh, Crowley and Chris Carter were good associates of the show, yes, right? Yes. Chris Carter says, pass what you smoking, fam. <laughs> 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 to, to JB saying that 08 is greater than any 70s defense. This is why we love it. Everyone's got their opinions. There is really no wrong answer when we when we have these uh, conversations. Unless you're going against my answer, then it's well, the wrong answer. You know, a- unless you there. think Deion Sanders is better than Rod Woodson, then, there's a, a, then there's a wrong it's answer. It's not a thought. You know what I mean? Don Juan says, uh, I missed linebacker day. Again, Don Juan, you can catch it on the podcast, yeah, baby. Yeah, we got all the episodes right there, baby. Uh, but he says, I have Ham over Lambert. 32 <laughs> interceptions as a linebacker. That's not a crazy unpopular take. No, no, it's not. Like you and I said, they're the clear one and two. There's yeah. a lot of respected football people. And in people Pittsburgh. say Ham. I mean, is the better technician, more, the more, more rounded player. Yeah. They just said that Lambert, the boogeyman, was just a dog. Jeff says the 2008 defense was absolutely dominating. Love the 70s defenses, but 08 was the best. We're splitting the generations here, Motsi. You got to every once in a while. Uh, Richard says, I think it's the 78 Steelers defense. Look at the records that year. Look how many of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. He said, you guys burned me for my last tweet, but you're still my favorite Steelers talk show. Keep up the good work. <laughs> hey, thanks, Richard. And everybody should know, this, it's, it's all in fun, honestly. Like, any of the tweets that we get, whether we agree, whether we disagree, even if we, like, rip on you for a little we're, – we're just trying to have a good Trust time. Trust me. Y'all are on the good list here. Still oh, for sure. For sure. It, it, it's some people on some other things that we do that are on the bad list. Y'all not on the bad list. Y'all are good. Now, Don Juan also, he points out something that could be a positive with this, dra- uh, with this Hall of Fame class getting mm-hmm. pushed back. He said, now we could possibly see Fanica get inducted with Troy, Shell, and Coward. That would Ooh, be tough. If we had three of those guys on a, like a Saturday and then Fanica on a Sunday. Man, Ooh. you know what? From a business standpoint, that'd probably be good for them because we'll definitely book up hotels for the whole week out there. We could have some fun in Canton, Ohio. That's yeah. for sure. Last, you got to see who's even eligible this year, though, for, uh, for next year's class. I know Peyton Manning is. Yeah. He's the big He's one. He's the headliner, right? Yeah. But And then I think it'd probably be some of these, these veteran guys that have still been waiting yeah. around. Fanica's got to get in. Come on, baby. Last one here from Gregory all the way across the coast in California. He says, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Gregory, come on. I mean, get with the get with the clock here. I mean, good morning. I'm I on mean. West Coast time, too. Don't worry, baby. It's all good. Good morning. Uh, he says, I've got the 2008 defense. They are guilty of being bad to the bone. Case dismissed. Shout out to the George Thurgood reference in there. Bad. Bad to the bone. Classic. Little JMB55 says, 08, hands down. I don't know mm. about hands down, baby. See, it's always hands down, right? Or That's true. 08 is not even close. That's right. <laughs> it's always. Like you and I have said, there's no gray area. It's always yeah. black and white, right? It's not even close. <laughs> and, uh, and David, the Photoshop extraordinaire, says, wow, Moats Malone didn't make the concert cut. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> White Iverson, when I thought it balling, well, I was young. You know, I, I, I already seen Posty, too, man. Shout out, so I'm opening up for Justin Bieber in Pittsburgh. All right, Arthur Motes, tomorrow's a Friday on the program. What are we talking about tomorrow? What the standard we, is the standard, what man. Are we, what are we embracing debate on We got to talk these Arthur coaches, Motes. don't we? Do we we going to go coaches? What you want to do? We're gonna, I mean, you talk about a debate where there's no wrong answer. We go coaches. We go Let's coaches. do it. We can go coaches. Let's do it. For the culture. For the culture, we will talk greatest coaches in Pittsburgh Stellar's franchise history.
tomorrow on the program. Big shouts to our guy Brian Backo for joining us as always. Yes, indeed, man. And a big thank you to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. You know we appreciate it. So we'll talk to you in 22 hours, you heathens, mm. you jabronis. Mm. We love you guys. Always. <laughs> High noon tomorrow, and you know where to find us, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.